Welcome to Books and Nachos, a podcast for those of us who find excitement in the pages of a good book. At booksandnachos.com, you can find over 100 reviews, from fiction to nonfiction, graphic novels, and more. There's also links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, and information about our Podbean crowdfunding campaign. At booksandnachos.com, we're here to find you something great to read. Welcome, listeners. This week, we are escaping two books and nachos. This is Jake the Snake. And I'm Jason. And volume three of Escape from New York, this time Escape to New York. And this title alone excited me. We'll probably talk about it, but this is taking place within the movie continuity. So the World Trade Center, it's still up and it just it had my mind going. Wouldn't that be a great logo for the sequel to Escape from New York? Escape 2, Roman numeral 2, both the Twin Towers, New York. Just the title alone got me excited for this volume. Fantastic. I'm excited too, Jacob. Happy to be back here with you. I know I've been a little bit negative about the last two volumes. If we're going to do a quick recap, Escape from New York, movie novelization, big thumbs up, big recommend there. Escape from Florida, we were a little down on that, very down on my side. Escape from Siberia, a little bit better, still down. This is it though. This is the moment that I've been kind of clinging to since we cracked open that first volume. The story's been building up to this. I've been building myself up to this. This is the showdown between Snake Plissken and the president. Yeah, and before we get into the story, talking about the creators, we still have Chris Sabala writing, but we do have a new artist. He is a a Croatian artist I found out because I found his LinkedIn. I couldn't find a whole lot of information, but Maxim, I'm just going to say Simic. I'm sure that's not how you say it, but he is the new artist here. I had not heard of him. So like I said, I had a ghoul around. Who is this guy? What had he done? Not a whole lot. He did some issues of Dark Horse Presents, which was an anthology series that Dark Horse Comics put out. He also did some anthology comic short stories for Strip Magazine which I didn't know what that was, and I had to Google that. And guess what? There's a stripper magazine, like, hey, you want to get the best poles to dance on? Here's an ad. Here's a review of those. But that is not the magazine. There's also a UK anthology comic called Strip. But So not a whole lot of work, it looks like. Again, the, the most information I found out about him was from his LinkedIn that popped up. And he just said Croatian freelance comic artist. And those were his credits. So new artist here. I know you've had issues with the art before. To me, it was a little cartoony. Here, it's a pretty different style. How did you feel about it, Jason? Again, art is subjective, and I've gone on record that I've not been a particular fan of what we see here. What I wanted to see was an improvement in the overall storytelling from panel to panel. Would we be able to understand the action? Because the major complaint that I've had, and Jacob, you've mentioned it as well, through Escape from Florida and Escape from Siberia is that we have a hard time following the action on the page. So I'm a little bit more confident that maybe with a new artist, we're going to get the presentation be a little different. I want to see a little bit more detail in the faces. And by doing so, you can tell a character's motivation. You can sometimes tell what they're thinking because like we've covered before, Jacob, there are no thought balloons anymore. We don't even get any inner thoughts, no inner monologue from Snake Plissken. So I'm looking to the art to tell me what this character is thinking and feeling, just the same as the dialogue. Yeah, it's got a rougher quality to it, a less realistic style. I felt the previous artist had a very
very clean style, even though it didn't have that gritty element to it. It wasn't a realistic style, but it clean lines. You know, you could tell he had studied anatomy. I do feel like this, it's got a little bit rougher style, which kind of works for a Snake Plissken story for me. I do think the Kurt Russell likeness is a little bit better here. I was wondering before if they even had the rights to his likeness, found out they did. I think this artist gets that Kurt Russell look a little bit better. But yeah, it's a different style. I don't mind it. I went along with it, but I it might feel like a downgrade to some people because it is a little bit rougher. So when we last left Snake, he was headed for New York City to seek revenge on the president, President Harker. You remember his last name's Harker in the Escape from New York movie novelization. Snake got the president impeached when he shredded the Hartford summer tape at the end of the movie. The president got Snake tossed into Siberia, where he met a comet cult. And now Snake's breaking back into New York. Except this story is going to flash back to three days ago. At the end of Escape from Siberia, he's ready to walk into Manhattan. Here, he's in Canada, and it's showing, oh, he tried to get away from it all. That's always Snake's story. He just wants to be left alone, and he thought he could find that in Canada. Until the Mounties attack with bazookas, I guess on the orders from East either Harker or the new President Sutter. I don't think it's very clear, but for whatever reason, this convinces Snake that he has to take out Harker, who is in the New York prison, if he's ever going to get that piece. They blow up this bar that Snake's hanging out in. Everybody else is dead. No survivors but Snake. He's alive, even though the president thinks he's dead. Yeah, that is the most infuriating thing. You get these mountains, they're like, yep, everyone's dead. We could go. No, we've all seen Zombieland. You got to double tap, go through that rubbish, put a bullet in everyone's head, make sure they're dead. I hate when they do this in movies. I'm glad you brought this up because this is not the first cliche. We're going to see some really familiar things in this book. I do wonder if it's supposed to be a throwback to when we weren't as refined in cinema, going back to 1981, because this isn't post 9-11 New York. This is still 1981 New York. I'm not going to see that kind of commentary going on, so I'm not going to give it that much credit. But it is an idea that popped into my head for a little bit that I entertained. But ultimately, no, I think it's just kind of bad writing. But Snake, he's going to go to New York and he's going to get over those walls pretty easily in a stunt car with like rockets hooked up to it. He's going to run into an evil Knievel type who has a ramp that points toward New York and he's going to jump a car across the Hudson. It's campy. It's silly. I guess they set up that it's even harder to get into New York now because the former president's there. So they've doubled security and things are even crazier inside the walls, but he gets in there pretty easily. And this is the first clue that again, we're back to Escape from L.A. territory. You know, they tried to top the glider and Escape from L.A. and had him do this badly computer-generated submarine. The whole sequence is terrible if you watch the film. This time, he's jumping the car over to the Hudson. It's not believable at all. But what bothers me more is that we're just hitting the same beats. We're still making the same callbacks, and we're three books into this series. Again, I feel like this is going to be really a direct continuation of that New York that we saw in the Carpenter film. Even though it's just pencil and ink now, where there is really no budget, you could draw whatever you could draw. There is one big set piece that I think we'll talk about a little bit later that would have been more difficult to do in the film. But I think for the most part, this is that same New York that Carpenter established. Yeah, with crazies coming out of the sewers and all those ethnic gangs that we talked about in the novelization. And rumor that the Duke is still around and I'm interested are they going to retcon this that the Duke didn't die but no the big reveal is that the former president has taken over as the Duke he's ruling New York or attempting to take it over he's recruited I did like this detail like the white collar criminals because it's the president he's not going to get gang members to help him he's going to get the white collar criminals and they've blocked off the streets in downtown Manhattan and they know 
I guess about secret gold and guns stashed around the city. I, that would have been nice to get into those details, but... And they never do. They never do. It's only talked about. The president is the new Duke. So my question is, is this the sequel that fans wanted? And one of the interesting things I found in this interview with Christopher Sabella, he said, rerun everything past Carpenter and the studio to get their nod. From outlines to complete scripts to finished issues, Carpenter even gave us some notes to what he'd like to see, where he'd like to see things go. And if Carpenter asks for it, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. In this case, I think it led to an arc that I wasn't planning on, but fits perfectly into the book and the Snake Plissken mythos. Now... I don't know if I was given this task to write this stuff going back to New York revisiting it probably would have been like one of my early drafts so there's no confirmation what arc Carpenter suggested but I gotta imagine this is it people want that New York sequel for the escape films do you think this is what people wanted in that film this is the sequel that I kind of want we've already said I don't care much about what happened in Florida and the Siberia thing leads directly into this but I felt that story could have been shorter this is the showdown that they've been setting up since those first panels of a from Florida. When Snake first got away from the president, they've been setting up for this confrontation, and this is the one that I wanted to see. So, yeah, this does very much feel like a proper sequel. Does it feel like that first volume is even more unnecessary the further we get away from it? I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine Carpenter like, the story you need is about Snake taking on these two 12-year-old twins that have Meemaw protecting them. I don't think that is the arc he suggested. I would be willing to guess maybe it's something more like this, which, yeah, this does feel like a sequel. That's why I started off saying, give it that movie sequence of Escape 2 with the Twin Towers, New York, or something like that to really sell it. And I guess the new Duke, the former president, his plan is similar to what happened in Florida. He wants to set up a new nation within New York. He wants to take it over and wage war against the U.S. It's really funny because you can do anything on the page because you're not constrained by the budget. But what we're going to end up getting is a lot of exposition from the Duke, President Duke. And what we really needed to see was larger perspective. I would have liked to have seen what's become of the rest of the world, what's become of the government, rather than just having it told to me by the characters. I feel like it would have been more helpful to set up this story at the very beginning with a little bit of narration to say, here's the state of the world, here's the state of the U.S., here's what's become of the president, here's why I'm going in there to kill him, have Snake be the narrator. I would have felt like, okay, good, we're in position, let's go for it. And I feel like we deserved a little bit more setup, especially if I'm someone just picking up this book for the first time. Yeah, you asked me last time, would you have picked up these if you weren't familiar with it? Escape to New York, that might have got me back. I would have dropped this after Escape from Florida. If I saw Escape to New York, I'd be like, oh, they're, they're going to get back into those films. I might pick up this series. But I've heard you voicing this concern uh, in previous shows where like you want a bigger perspective. And it is something I paid attention to as I read this volume. Do we ever get anything that takes place away from Snake Plissken? I don't think we do. And as I think back about Florida and Siberia, it's always about Snake. If you're learning about the situation in the U.S., it's because there's a radio playing or TV playing in the background. But yeah, I do feel like spend some time just with President Duke. I like that name that you came up for him. Show some cutaway panels with what's happening in the rest of the U.S. Let this breathe a bit more. Not saying go fully decompress, but show a bigger perspective. I'm imagining an opening in which President Duke now is a narrator saying, this is why I got to kill Snake Plissken. This is what he's done. What's left is now two main characters, Snake and the Duke. The only other character we had with any connection to the film was Hauk, and Snake killed him in the last issue. Spoiler alert if you haven't gone back and listened to that last episode. 
But Snake, he is going to team up with some people in this, the Lenape Native American tribe. I did like this detail because this is, I looked it up on Wikipedia just to confirm, but this is the actual tribe that we kind of, however you want to put it, whether you want to make it positive, negative. This is the tribe we got the island of Manhattan from. Cheated it out of them as the Lenape stay in this series, or maybe you want to say it's a fair deal, whatever. But these are the Native Americans that were originally on the island. And I do like this whole, I wish it was more of this story, but this whole thing where they're trying to take back the island. They want to make it a Garden of Eden. That's commentary that we've been missing from the other two books. And you know what? It's a callback to the original. The tribe in the film, they're fighting with Snake on the top of the World Trade Center. So I felt that was a pretty cool callback to the novelization in the film. But they're going to go away pretty quickly. Like, they're going to team up with Snake. Oh, hey, here's a Native American warrior vest or something to put on. And they go riding out on horses, which, again, this is great. Yeah, we're going to ride out on horses to fight these crazy gangs. And no, they just kind of betray Snake and he gets caught and they go away till the end. Yeah, Snake gets captured again. Can we talk about something real quick? I want to talk about this. Snake is really famous for getting out of jams, right? But are we overlooking the fact that he gets captured a lot? I mean, that is kind of what kicked off the whole movie is that he got caught doing a crime. But yeah, he's always getting caught and then having to escape. Uh, I get that it's in the title. I just wish it didn't have to be so literal. And yeah, the Duke's going to capture Snake and he's going to monologue. It's all going to get filmed while he's monologuing and beating up Snake and not just killing him. They, they never could just kill Snake. They got to torture him and all that before they get around to killing him. But we do see the strength of President Duke. He's able to strike out against the Statue of Liberty and blow it up to show the U.S. he means business. The president blows it all up as a means of taking out his enemies. And now it's just him and these white collar criminals, guns, gold, and he's got a whole plan to restart the nation. This is kind of the turning point for Snake where you've mentioned it before. He's always, he wants to be left alone, but then he's got to go back and he's got to be a team player and fight with other people or fight to save him, become the hero. But I feel like this is the first time where he's voiced those words like, I need to be the hero now. This guy's going too far. I am going to take on this role. Before, it's kind of an unsaid thing. So I thought it was weird that he's just going to straight up voice that now. Did you find that a convincing turn? I'm not going to say I felt it was entirely convincing given what we seen in the last two books, but it was welcome for me. I want this character to find some direction. I don't feel like we can constantly be following a character whose whole purpose is, I want to go somewhere and I want to sit down and be left alone. I want Snake to start making some decisions and being proactive. I want him to divert from his kind of leave me alone status and take an active role in what really is all his fault. I mean, it's his fault that there's a world war. Yeah, he is the one responsible for all this. And I enjoy the fact that they gave him a big bad in this president. The film kind of portrayed this president as kind of a victim. We know from the novelization, he's more of a vindictive person. He has an angry streak under the surface and, you know, maybe more of a conspirator. The brains behind the whole thing. Yeah, as I saw this portrayal of President Duke, you know, I'm thinking of Donald Pleasance. That's who played the president. And I love his work, you know, as Dr. Loomis in the Halloween series. It's so campy and... It's just always a joy when he shows up in those films. I had a hard time picturing him doing this Duke role, though. I kept going back to another actor, Dennis Hopper, who would feel more appropriate as President Duke because he's got like long hair now. And yeah, let Dennis Hopper do some acid and just do these rants about America. Like, I feel like that's what they were tapping into. You remember Land of the Dead? You remember how Dennis Hopper was in charge of that big building? That's right. Yes. If you were going to make a Dennis Hopper comparison, that's this. This is President Duke doing a Dennis Hopper or Dennis Hopper as President Duke. 
We, we haven't talked about this, but he dresses like the Duke. He finds Isaac Hayes' old costume and puts it on, including this blonde wig. Was it just a blonde wig? I was wondering, like, how much time has passed? Like, he's got long hair now. Has it been a few weeks? Has it been years since Escape from New York? Oh, no, no. The wig in the film, remember? Isaac Hayes throws that wig on him and kind of pins him against the wall to shoot at him. Yeah, I recall that now. Okay. <laughs> it's meant to emasculate him, and it is quite emasculating, but now he finds it empowering. He puts on the wig. He's got his jacket and his shirt open. I don't see Donald Pleasance and, and Isaac Hayes wearing the same size clothes. <laughs> I agree. It's so weird. He looks like a pimp, but like a really bad pimp, you know? He's got the sunglasses on. Here's a good question, and I know we're talking about a comic book. Would you follow this guy if he stood at the podium and said, I'm your leader, I'm the Duke of New York? I mean, look, if he's got a bunch of gold and guns and he could rule things and keep you safe from all the other crazy gangs there, I might. So we're going to get a real confrontation here between President Duke and Snake first. Snake kind of storms the president's speech. And you think they're going to have at it, but then he gets away. This kind of goes on for a lot of the book. There's a lot of confrontation. Snake runs away. Snake gets caught. Snake gets away. And then he eventually just finds himself back at the World Trade Center. Yeah, before they get back to the World Trade Center, like Snake escapes. He's taken President Duke as prisoner with him. And... I thought we were going to get a really cool action scene. Like, they're like, we got to get to the World Trade Center, but we got to get around that thing first. And you see there's just this shadowy, huge object. You're not sure what it is. And I'm like, ooh, what's this next big action piece going to be for the next, you know, three or four pages? Next page, we get a splash page, a full page splash page. They have passed this big, dark, shadowy thing that seems so ominous. It is the head of the Statue of Liberty. It just landed in the middle of Manhattan when they blew it up. Yeah, just one page that is a callback to the poster, which I think is a pretty iconic poster of Escape from New York. I love looking at this page. This is the only time in this book that we are going to get a full page, a splash page, as you mentioned. Yeah, which, thinking back on it now, you usually get at least one full page, if not a double splash page, in just about every issue of a comic. That's your big hero moment in here. Why did we not get three or four pages? You got to enter the mouth of the Statue of Liberty, climb your way through it. You're fighting crazy gangs. That could have been a lot of fun. And just that it's just this poster moment, more or less. That was disappointing for me. Can we talk about splash pages for a second? Yeah. All right. So these books, they're averaging about six panels per page, sometimes seven. And the reason I'm counting is because there are no pages in which Snake or anybody else, with the exception of that one page, take up the entire frame. The way I've been looking at it is Snake is a hero. He's supposed to jump off the page. And sometimes to do that, you have to give the character the entire page. It also gives you the chance as an artist to draw the character with a lot more detail. It's a storytelling technique you use in comics. And I think it makes a big difference in the pacing. It makes a big difference when you're trying to understand the scope and the scale of the action. And I really feel that the book kind of lets us down in that every page is five to six panels. So everything is just moving too fast. There's never really an opportunity to slow it down and just look around at everything that's happening. Yeah, I don't want the seven-page fold-out splash that Jim Lee did for All-Star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Try to say that title all in one breath. That was written by Frank Miller. Like, I don't quite need that. But, you know, I noticed the panels, too. It seems like it's almost the same layout every page. Six, seven panels, like you said. Again, that feels like a throwback. Like Jack Kirby, who I love, old school, you know, comic book artist. He would always have things on more or less a six panel grid on every page, but then he'd do these far out, especially when he got into his fourth world stuff with DC. These like crazy cut and paste multimedia splash pages of like Superman having to witness some crazy dark side machine or something. And yeah, you would just stop in the middle of reading, be very quick read, and then you just see this massively detailed 
detailed two pages and you do stop and you linger and just take it in and it is really a moment to appreciate what the artist can do for a comic you mentioned jim lee you remember batman hush you read that yes okay the, the page where batman kisses catwoman takes up the whole frame of the page yeah that tells you that's a big moment in this story it, it's just a visual cue we need more of those visual cues in order to tell a better escape from new york story we need to see a page of the president at his podium which demonstrates to us the power of this person having that moment in a large presentation to us that would really help me feel like i'm more in this world yeah you asked to follow this guy yeah he is so diminutive because it's i think modeled after donald pleasance who i don't think was the tallest gentleman so yeah frame it some way you frame it like citizen kane when he's running as a politician you get those low angles and just a big single page splash page something like that could really sell you the force of president duke I think there could have been some more creativity. I'll just leave it at that. They could have given this another round of writing to really flesh out these panels and make it really dynamic storytelling. Because again, like I'm really into this story, Escape to New York now, where I've been, you know, I was pretty lukewarm on Florida. Siberia was an improvement. But this one I've really gotten into and I I wish it felt more like an action movie. And I think we're going to get a big action scene coming up because President Duke has struck out against America. Now the new President Sutter who was the vice president before, he's cut his allegiance with Duke and he's going to bomb New York. So if Snake wants to get his revenge with the president, the Lenape, they've shown back up now. They've decided to help again because they put a tracker in that vest that they gave to Snake here. But they show up. They're like, well, if you want the president, you got to take care of these airplanes that are coming to bomb us. And so... I guess you're going to say this is another Escape from L.A. moment. They take that original glider from the first film and connect it to that rocket car that Snake used to get in there. And he's going to somehow just fly around and dogfight with some jets. I love it. I love it. It's not a problem for me. I just want to put that out there. I know. I've been reading comics since I was four or five years old. And I've read all kinds of fantasy comics. And for some reason, as I'm looking to this, I know I shouldn't be arguing about realism. I know that I shouldn't be laughing that he's flying a car with wings on it. But Jacob, can you shoot down a jet with a machine pistol? All right, my man. I had that same question (laughs) because as much as I love this scene, that is the part that went a bit too far. Like he's got like a a machine gun and he's just shooting down jets like in a Top Gun sequel. It is kind of ridiculous. And this is the scene that had me running to Google to search, can you fire a gun (laughs) midair? And it took a few searches because I had to play with the wording because I kept getting articles about firing a gun into the air, like celebratory gunfire. Don't do that, people. Those bullets come down. They'll hurt you. Yeah. So I kept getting returns of all these articles about different state laws. The closest that I came to figuring out whether or not this is real, there is a skydive and shooting package that you can do at some business here in Las Vegas. I was going to say, it's got to be in Vegas. I know you could go rent crazy tanks and guns out there to shoot. We are all about the experiences here in Las Vegas, and I didn't know it. But you can skydive and shoot in Vegas? That seems very dangerous. I know, but I think you're supposed to be shooting at targets on the ground, and I'm sure you start shooting when you get closer to the ground. Here we have Snake in a car flying alongside jets, and you and Arnie and Stuart, just a few weeks back, you reviewed Top Gun. And so all I could picture is a car flying and fighting against Tom Cruise. And you know, when they're flying those jets, those miniguns, they're not entirely accurate. How is he hitting them with a Tech 9? Yeah, this is not a 50 caliber gun or whatever caliber they put on a jet. Those are huge bullets. Yeah, this is just a regular old machine gun. Anyway, Snake miraculously 
ends up shooting down a couple of jets. I'll go back to the same thing, Jacob. I had a hard time following some of the action in these panels as well. When one of the jets fires, ends up hitting the other jet, I couldn't tell immediately what happened, but Snake shoots them all down and then he lands on what's left of Liberty Island. And as things play out, the president again gets the upper hand and he wants Snake to film him, like making the declaration on the U.S. And Snake's going to pull that old trick of, I'm going to put it in quotes, switching the tape, because I don't think he actually switches a tape this time, but he's filming the president. The president's about to make demands and we see him hit a rewind button or something where he shows footage of when he was tied up and President Duke was talking all his crazy talk and he pretty Pretty much reveals who this character really is and everyone turns against him. You could figure out what that was. I could not figure out. I saw a finger pushing a rewind button or something. I couldn't figure out what the hell happened. But now having listened to you explain it to me, I can go back and I can look at the pages. How could they do this kind of switcheroo finale and have it not be clear what he was doing? First of all, what you mentioned about old footage of the president being played over the air, that's taken from a previous issue. This is, it's not even from the same issue. Yeah, you got to remember. I just remembered because I read this all together in a trade so I read it at you know one sit down session but if this was a month ago and I'm reading the new issue I'd be like huh what's he rewinding to? How in the hell could they set this up to make it so incomprehensible? And I'm not nitpicking this Jacob I really can't figure out. No no I I don't think you are because I had to this is the big moment where I had to stop and go back and I'm like okay what is he doing? What are they seeing? What are they reacting to? I don't want to place blame or say someone's doing a bad job but we got a new artist here. New perspective and we're still having some of those same pacing problems or clarity issues and so I'm gonna guess it's on the script that they received from Sabala and maybe they just didn't interpret it to make it clear they're on a deadline this is Boom Studios they got to churn this stuff out to hit their target dates and it just doesn't have that clarity that I would appreciate where maybe an artist would read this and go you know what I'm gonna add an extra little panel here just to make it super clear what button is being pushed or whatever and so I I think this is a writing issue because some of these really unclear issues are still popping up even with a new artist. Let me ask you a question because you've worked in comics before. How close is the collaborative process between writer and artist? Are they often in the same room? No, no, no. Today, I don't think they're ever in the same room. They might have meetings together and it differs. Sometimes a writer will turn in a script and someone will just draw it and that's it. Editorial approves it. Sometimes they are more collaborative. Sometimes they're friends and they're going back and forth an email or text. Hey, what if I did it with this panel? Usually you thumbnail this stuff, which means you do really rough, tiny sketches of each page just to figure out the pacing. Like it is a whole process. You just don't start drawing stuff. You got to storyboard it out more or less, even though you think of comics as a storyboard, you still do that preliminary work. At least that's what I always did. I could never imagine just sitting down and start drawing whatever writers described in a panel. You really have to read the whole story and understand where it's going, at least for me. And I just don't think that kind of process is coming here. Uh, This is why I'm so upset. I was going with this story. I know the art wasn't drawn specifically for me and it's subjective. But when you get to something like this, it's unforgivable. It's a big moment. Like, it should be clear. It should be crystal clear what's happening to the reader. Because that is going to be the last straw with the president. He's going to order Snake dead. And we don't really get a fight between the two of them. Obviously, if they were to go against each other, the president is no match for Snake physically. Yeah, the big fight in this one, because I guess you got to have a big fight. That happens with the chief of the Lenape tribe when he wants to go out on his own and doesn't want to really help him and they fight. And that's where you have this chief going, oh, you really think you're a hero? And 
I felt like th- that was a nice moment for Snake where he's willing to give up his life because we talked about that evolution we wanted with the character. But yeah, no one's going to buy a, a big drawn out fight between Snake and President Duke. So the President Duke ends up getting killed by his own people. Snake doesn't even have like, a henchman to fight because he killed Hauk in the last issue. Do you think Hauk might have died too quickly? you think Hauk should have stuck around? Or Yeah, I didn't like what they did with him there. I felt like even if you're going to have him be a bad guy, have him be a menacing character throughout this series and not just one storyline. Like I do feel you're going to give him that awesome Iron Maiden suit. Yeah, have him show up at the very end when we get to Cleveland. I don't have a problem with him, again, not fighting the president. That's kind of poetic. You know, you think of the French Revolution, just people turning on their leaders that are no good and killing them. That feels very Snake Plissken. Turn your back and just walk away. That's what he did at the end of Escape from New York and walk away and let whatever happened to the president happen. Then the person who should have killed the president should have been Hauk. It should have been Hauk taking his revenge. Yeah, that would have been nice. If Hauk was involved in this storyline, somehow he's on New York too. He could find out about his son here. I really wish there was some kind of payoff with that. But at the end of this one, you've been so annoyed every time when someone says, I thought you were dead (laughs) when Snake Plissken gets revealed. Here, he is dead. Like, we're going to see him go after he gets out of New York again. He's buying some groceries and he just pays with it for a gun. Like, he's a nobody now. You know, that Plissken character is dead and he's walking off to that quiet life he always wanted. I guess that quiet life's in Cleveland? Yeah, he's walking off to that Lonely Man music from the Incredible Hulk episodes. (laughs) Yes. Escape from Cleveland, that's the next thing they're building to. We got the tease from Escape from LA and that'll be our next book. I know that's going to be a big deal because that's a big part of the Snake Plissken mythos hinted at in the movie Escape from L.A. But Jason, before we get to Cleveland, do you recommend escaping to New York? I think what disappoints me most is I went into this whole series looking for stories with a little harder edge, a little bit more realism, a more dystopian, more cyberpunk, and closer to Escape from New York. Now, this volume comes closer to that style than Escape from Siberia and definitely Escape from Florida. I feel like in the first two installments, I was looking for dramatic and dark, like The Dark Knight, and well, Escape from Florida is definitely Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you wanted Empire Strikes Back, and you get Return of the Jedi Special Edition. The only thing missing is the goddamn Muppet Show in Jabba's Palace. One reason I like this volume better than the first two is that Snake is actually taking a stand for something. He gives himself a mission. He says, I'm going into New York. I'm going to kill this president. He doesn't in the end. He lets other people do it. But he's proactive instead of being the leave me alone, I want to be left alone character. If Snake is always going to be that person who'd rather sit on a boat or sit on a chair in the middle of the woods, I don't want to follow that character anymore. There's not a lot of point of following a character trying to get somewhere just so he can sit down. Give Snake Plissken some motivation. Make every adventure and every escape part of an ongoing campaign to maybe take down the government or the corrupt and help people. Give them some purpose other than I want to be left alone. And we keep saying we want to see more of Snake as a person. And every time we've said that, we've said, hey, let's see a little bit more backstory. But I think there are ways that you can reveal a little bit more about Snake as the story goes on. And I'll give you an example. Right before Snake takes the flying car to shoot down the jets, when he goes to pick up that car, he gets it from the tribe. But if Snake is supposed to be this great escape artist, wouldn't it have been interesting to show him construct the car, build it, give him a little A-team MacGyver, and show that he can get out of a jam with some ingenuity? They still haven't done a good enough job of expanding the character of Snake, even though I do like the dialogue. I do think that the writer has really tapped into the Snake persona that's evident in the Carpenter movies. And granted, he does not say a lot in those movies, but I I really feel like by this volume, I'm believing, okay, yeah, this is Snake Plissken. 
Now we've got one book left in the series, Escape from Cleveland. We know Snake will get into some kind of mess in Cleveland. It's talked about in Escape from LA. So I'm crossing my fingers, Jacob, that we're going to see Carjack Malone and Texas Mike O'Shea. It should be a big one. I've been going into each of these volumes with some optimism. I'm not going to stop now, even though I've been disappointed. The series has gotten better as it's gone on. So I'm looking at next week to be the best one yet. Yeah, I think next week for fans of the movies is probably the most anticipated. I didn't know Escape 2 New York was going to be such a direct sequel. Like You kind of feel that just from the name, but really, if you're into that first film and maybe you're like, oh, I was interested in these comics, but I don't know if I want to pick them up now after hearing these reviews. I think if you just pick up this story arc and there might be some background information about the politics going on that aren't quite clear, but I think they try to catch everyone up. I I think you could sit down and read this and you're going to have a pretty good time with it as a direct sequel to Escape from New York. And so I think this one's pretty successful in those terms. Not that there's not problems here and, and you've outlined some of those. You know, the comic comparison that I make for Snake is Judge Dredd. And I don't know, Jason, if you've ever read Judge Dredd comics, but he is a character who he has very defined motivations. Like he's dedicated to the law. He is a fascist. He will do anything to uphold the law. But the stories are never really about him. It's hard to do character work with someone that's never going to change their opinion about upholding the law. And so a lot of the fun in those comics are the satirical stuff going around, the comments it's making about society, like the one where Judge Dredd has to go into the wastelands and he fights like this whole fast food cult where they dress like the Burger King and Ronald McDonald and stuff. And so there's ways to take this kind of stoic, unchanging character and have some fun. Or you can try to evolve them. And I think this one does try to do that a little bit by making him actively decide to be the hero. That's a big change for Snake. And so I appreciate that it delves into that. I wish it got more into it, just like I wish they got more into the head of the Statue of Liberty. We've talked about decompressed comics and, oh, are they spending too much time just standing around and the movie's not really progressing? I would have been 100%, I'm thinking about silent interlude, something like that, 100% okay if just a whole issue of this story arc was dedicated with getting through the head of the Statue of Liberty. I think that would have been great. You could have had some great actions. It would have felt cinematic, which this is trying to tie into a movie. So I think that would have felt appropriate and it wouldn't have been a big deal. So I think there are missed opportunities here by not really expanding on some of the action that could have been a whole lot of fun in this kind of setting. But overall, I think this is definitely the best story arc so far in this Escape from New York series. And I think Escape to New York pretty, pretty, pretty good. Like, I'm going to give this one a B plus. This is a pretty solid recommend for me. Again, fans of the movies, you could skip Florida, maybe skip Siberia if that didn't sound like your thing, but I think you're going to have a fun time with this one. Carpenter loves comic books. I think that Carpenter would like this volume of Escape from New York. I think he'd look at it and he'd say, yeah, that's my character, that's my Snake Plissken, and that's a direction I would have liked to go on. And if you don't know about Snake Plissken's original Escape from New York, or you want to hear me, Arnie, and Stuart talk about about it, go over to the Now Playing podcast feed where we are covering the two Carpenter films, Escape from New York and Escape from L.A. And Jason, next week, we'll be escaping from Cleveland. But for our listeners, there is no escape from Books and Nachos. Thank you for listening to this episode of Books and Nachos. You can also find many more book reviews at our website, booksandnachos.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word about our podcast by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Books and Nachos is a crowdsourced podcast with no sponsors or ads. 
You can support our show by pledging to our Podbean campaign at booksandnachos.com support. The music for Books and Nachos is The Right Prescription by Chai Weapon, provided by podsafeaudio.com. Books and Nachos is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. And no part of the show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated.